You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you once again from beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode. I am incredibly grateful for all of our listeners. This is episode 81, and we're going to be answering the question, when did Jesus become the Son of God? Uh, This is an email I got from a regular listener. Her name is Kelly. She's actually sent a few questions in and we'll be tackling this one today. A couple previous episodes that I've done that definitely apply to this. And so if you're interested in studying uh, Christology, that's the study of Christ. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus and kind of his character, his nature, uh, great episodes to check out. Episode 37, I answered the question, was Jesus human or God? Highly encourage you to listen to that. Episode 7, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Very, very important episode. Uh, Episode 13, I answered the question, what is the Trinity? And I just spent about 12 minutes kind of unpacking the doctrine of the Trinity, the the three uh, persons of the Trinity, the fact we believe in one God who exists in three separate persons. God is Trinitarian or triune in nature. Episode 13. And then episode 31, I did an interview with a pastor friend of mine out of Oklahoma. Uh, We answered the question, why does understanding the Trinity matter? And his name is Ricky Jones. Ricky just did a fantastic, absolutely fantastic job of really describing the absolute love affair that goes on between the three persons of the Trinity and how they have this just incredible gushing affection for one another and how understanding that really plays into so many different elements of our lives. And I think that comes into play when we're talking about the topic at hand today. The term Son of God occurs in the Bible more than 40 times, uh, most of them in the New Testament, but there are some Old Testament mentions of that. Uh, one of the more famous moments in the Bible, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 3, it's recorded that Jesus is baptized, and after his baptism, uh, the Father speaks down and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we hear the voice of God coming from the heavens, being heard uh, in that moment, and calling Jesus his son. So we see in this moment that Jesus is the son of God. And we could give a really easy answer to this if I'm honest. We could just say, hey, Hebrews chapter 13 makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was the son of God at his baptism, then he must have been the son of God before his baptism, and he must be the son of God after his baptism. Jesus never changes. If he was the son of God then, he has always been the son of God and will always be the son of God. I guess we could just end it right there and just say, when did he become the son of God? Well, he's always been that way. He never became it. He's always existed in that manner. Uh, we could end the episode there. Uh, but my guess is that when Kelly s- sent me this question, she was hoping for a-, a more thorough, robust answer. And so let's really dive into what it really means to be the son of God. Uh, this is important to note that when we talk about Jesus being the son of God, that we're not saying that God the father is his father in a biological sense. Okay, Jesus 
did not come from God having some sort of sexual relations. At no point was Jesus ever created. He has always existed. He is eternal just as the Father is. The Bible, however, does label him as begotten. Um, the King James and some other translations use the word begotten. That is also sometimes translated as one and only. In the Greek, the word there is monogenes. The word monogenes in the first in first century Koine Greek really denotes a uniqueness. Um, really talks about how the fact that this is a son or someone that is like someone but is extremely unique from all others. So when we call Jesus monogenes, when we say he is the one and only son of God, what we're saying is that that, that amongst all the sons of God, all the people that have come from God, this guy is really unique from that group of people. Jesus is in the category of persons loved by the Father, but he is unique from everyone else in that category. And Jesus himself makes this claim we see in Matthew 11:27 and Luke 10:22. Uh, he says that no one except the Father knows the Son, and no one except the Son knows the Father. He, he's saying like we know each other in a way that no one else uh, knows us. You know, there are many times in the scripture where there are different people who are treated like sons. You know, there are you know, those of us who are Christians are adopted in the family of God. And we are labeled to be sons and daughters of God. We are children of God. God labels people as sons and daughters to show them how he plans to treat them. He plans to treat those people as his sons and daughters, that he is a good father, the best father ever, and that anyone who is in his family gets treated like one of his sons, not not like a servant, not like a slave, right? There, there are some uh, religions where the God of that religion or the gods of that religion are mean taskmasters. And, and when God is calling us his sons and his daughters, he's saying, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to rule you like an evil taskmaster. I'm going to treat you like a good daddy. I'm Abba Father. You're my child. You're my beloved. When you become a genuine Christian and a genuine follower of God, you are labeled as God's children. You are adopted into his royal family. And so you you join a category of people. Uh, you, you are in a category uh, where, where you are treated like a child of God. But the manner in which you and I become sons of God is extremely different and unique from the manner in which Jesus has always existed as the son of God. And every single time the word monogenes is used to describe Jesus in every single context, it is always always used to equate Jesus with the father, to put him on equal playing field. You know, sometimes people say that you're calling Jesus the son of God uh, brings him down a notch or so it seems to condescend. It, that's not the case at all. It's quite the opposite. The verbiage and the language used in the New Testament actually equate Jesus with the Father. It puts Jesus on the same playing field. He was not created like I was created. He was incarnated. And in this, we see the paradox that he was both fully God and yet fully man. Jesus is just as much God as the Father, but yet he chooses to humbly carry out the will of the Father. And this did not begin when Jesus came to planet Earth. You know, there are some people who would say, well, he became the Son of God when he was incarnated, when he was born. Or maybe he became the Son of God, you know, when he was baptized, when, when God said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. No, he's always been 
the Son of God. Now, there are elements to this relationship between the Father and the Son that are not revealed to us in Scripture. Exactly how this played out uh, before the creation of the world is not fully known to us, but there are definitely elements of it and portions of this relationship that, that are certainly on display for us to observe. And we, have, we observe this best in the Gospels whenever we see Jesus talking to the Father. And I'd encourage you, again, go back and listen to episode 31, my interview with Ricky Jones, where he just did a fantastic job of really describing this, this love affair uh, you know, between the Trinity, and it really gives us some glimpse. You know, Ricky gives us some glimpse into understanding the character and nature of the relationship between the Father uh, and the Son. It's important to clearly state Jesus has always been the Son of God. And what does that really mean? Well, it means that he is loved by the Father, but it also means that he is on equal playing field. He is equally as powerful as the Father. He is not less than the Father. Jesus is just as much God as God the Father is God. He is of the same essence as the Father, meaning he is just as powerful and just as worthy of worship. We see uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the writer of Hebrews saying that Jesus is not like the angels. He's above all the angels, and he is worthy of being worshipped. We see in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians, he talks about Jesus being the creator and how all things are held together by Jesus. Jesus is not just a son of God. He is the son of God, and he has always been the son of God. One final thought, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't mention to you uh, the most famous verse in the Bible that mentions or refers to Jesus being the one and only begotten son of God. That is John three sixteen. that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only his begotten son so that we could have eternal life so that all who believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The most important element to understanding Jesus being the begotten son is that he was given, sacrificed by the father, imputed with our sins, suffered the consequence of our sins at the cross so that we could have eternal life. The most important question that you could be asking yourself right now is, have I truly believed, have I put my faith and hope in Christ and in Christ alone so that I can have everlasting life, the, the eternal life that was purchased for me at the cross by the one and only begotten son, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I sure hope it's been helpful and insightful for you as you seek to understand the character and nature of Jesus better. Jesus Christ, the God man. Uh, thank you to Kelly. Big shout out to you for emailing me. I love my regular listeners. I love getting emails. I love corresponding with you guys. I've had so many of you email me and, and shoot me tweets. Uh, so thank you so, so much. Uh, keep doing it. If you're listening to this and you have a question that you'd like to have addressed on the podcast or a topic that you'd like me to cover, please feel free to shoot me an email. The email address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. It's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm a star!